0: On this week's Always Listening, TV show podcasts, Apple transcriptions, and Moad Dollars. Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. Join the dark side. (laughs) Hey, ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh! A little bit of uh, pop culture discussion off the top before we get to our podcast. Discussion. I'm
1: sure all our, po- I'm sure all our fans who listen to this for our keen insights on podcasting news
0: love this part of the. podcast. I don't care. <laughs> we'll make it short. We'll make it brief. But that, but it, that, that's big. Enough. The the new uh, poster and a little teaser trailer for the rise of Skywalker, the final of the Star Wars Skywalker saga films. Uh, I mean, your 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 gnome de plume is literally Pod Vader. I think. It's fair to talk a little bit of uh, Star Wars here. What did you think of, in particular, the poster? Because it's gotten a lot of negative reactions. The poster features Ray and uh, uh, Kylo fighting each other on a like a star destroyer. They're on top of a star destroyer. They're on top and of the then... remains of the Death Star. Yes. Oh, there you go. It's like a Death Star hunk and the uh, Emperor, or yeah. the ghost of the Emperor, some like a vis- his visage is above them in the stars. Sort oh. of. Oh my friend. Is it the Emperor? Because if you look at the force
1: lightning around Ray and Kylo, the way that it shapes
0: it looks like old man Luke. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. There's no I, way so, that's coincidence. So I I don't I do think I mean, obviously I think Luke's got a role to play in this film. Uh Hamill, I think, has talked about even coming back as a as a force ghost. I believe he said that officially. Yes. I don't think that JJ has. But the um I mean, we know that the Emperor is going to have some bearing on this film because we've heard his voice already in the, the first trailer, the uh, initial trailer. The interesting thing to me is, as someone who's watched Rebels, I believe you have too, Jay, yep. right? The mm-hmm. cartoon show. Okay, so there was Clone Wars, which was before Disney bought it. And then after Disney bought the property, they made their own cartoon show called Star Wars Rebels, which takes place effectively like leading up to A New Hope. It's like in the years preceding the original trilogy. Um, according to the timeline that they showed at D 23 rebels
1: ends right at new hope.
0: uh, Yeah. So the, the, the cast, the crew that is represented in rebels, some of them at least appear in the battle in rogue one. And we don't know whether they make it out of that battle or not, but they, the, that ship and some of the crew we know is in that battle in, in the rogue one, which takes place right before um, a new hope, the first star Wars film. So Anyway, it's it's interesting to me. The thing that I find most compelling, though, Jay, and the thing that a lot of fans online are sort of mad about, the way that they've shown the Emperor, or, or whoever that is, it looks a lot like the presentation of the Emperor in Rebels towards the end of the series. There's an episode in particular that is very controversial in the fan base where they present the idea of time travel, effectively, within yes. the Star Wars universe. It's called The World Beyond Worlds. And the Emperor that is presented in that episode... There's some fan discussion about whether that's the Emperor from the future, perhaps, or w- there was already a lot of, you know, interesting speculation about uh, how that episode played out and what it actually meant for us. But this kind of looks like that Emperor.
1: <laughs> I will say this about that: uh, Last Jedi really let me down. I thought it was a horrible movie. If you cut out, if you cut out just the Luke Skywalker parts. It's a great movie, but the rest of the movie really, let, really let me down. Really turned off by it. Maybe it's because we haven't had any Star Wars in a couple of years, but I'm hyped. I, I'm I'm all in on Rise of Skywalker. And I was down on the name. Remember when they first announced the name? I was like, "Come on, they they give in too much way." But now I have, no, I literally have no clue what Rise of Skywalker is referencing to. And of course, we'll find out. They, they're they still making us think that it has something to do with Rey, but I don't think it does. I think it might have something to do with some of the things that have happened in the comic books as well, some of the things that have been revealed in the comic books that I won't spoil here um, that might be re- involved with the Skywalker name um, and the origins of the Skywalkers, and I'll leave it at that. But what the other thing that I'm really psyched about is the Mandalorian looks really effing
0: cool too. <laughs> I, so like disney is just killing it on all fronts I, I know there was a big backlash last week among you know the fans because of the sony and and marvel breakup over spider-man and a lot of people which you've like, been talking about since day I one have. on this podcast i've been talking about it a lot D- disney disney uh owns everything now and i understand that they're easy to sort of hate and the idea that sony is the underdog in this case like i i get that too but on the flip side Everything that Disney has bought, all these things that Disney owns, they've done a really good job with. If you look at Star Wars, just look at Star Wars. The idea that we're getting Star Wars on so many different levels, that we're getting television Star Wars, you know, like they're spending $15 million in episodes, supposedly, on that show. Mm. It's 10 episodes, 10 hours of Star Wars that we're going to get before this Skywalker film in December. Think about that, Jay. That never would have happened under Lucas. That never would have happened under another. Uh, what well, you're we're right. We're not gonna we not we're get. Not get, the gonna get we're not gonna
1: get the whole series before the movie because they're doing yeah, one point, a week. They're not gonna let week, us binge week
0: it. To week. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we'll get like well, it, but see, that's interesting to me too. Will they connect? In some way, because the corporation knows when each is coming. So are there elements of the Mandalorian story that will hint towards or inspire things that we'll then see in the film? Anyway, I love this era of cross media storytelling. I love Mm. the idea of connecting. uh, You know, when I go to see a film, I can come home and I can take in more content about that film or those characters or that universe on TV, in the comics, in a book. You know all these things, Jay. It's sort of our lead story. Joel, today. did you just make a great
1: segue from our stupid pop culture conversation into I did. actual look how, content? Look how smart
0: I am. Well done, our lead Joel. Story today is about is about TV podcasts, and honestly, this this Disney thing has had me brewing, Jay. I'm trying to talk my wife and my kids into doing a show, and and maybe I'm involved in it in some level, or maybe I just produce it for them. I don't know, but I want to do a show called Disney Plus Discovery where every week we hear from a few different members of the family about something that they found on the Disney Plus service. Because the whole point is that it's not just these originals, right? But it's going to be the archived content, too. This library, this vault full of content that many of us haven't stirred in quite a while. I want to hear when my kids discover, you know, the Davy Crockett series or... Uh, uh, The Zorro series. I would love to watch Zorro with my boys. I'm assuming that's going to be on here eventually. I want to watch that Zorro series with my kids and hear my 11 year old's reaction to those serials, you know, th- those old shows that I loved as a kid. Um. Anyway, that's an idea that I'm stewing on. You brought a new story today about one of these super successful TV companion podcasts. I, I just I feel like the media companies should be doing it themselves. Some of them are. The smart ones are. Uh this though is an independent production, is it not the one that we're talking about today? This is. So there's a podcast in
1: Australia called Eyes on Gilead. Is that how you print I don't watch the handmaiden's tale so I don't yeah, know. Gilead
0: but So Gilead the Republic of Gilead is the I believe it's called the Republic of Gilead. Uh it's it's what is left of America after the revolution that takes place, uh, that's depicted in the handma- *Handmaid's Tale*, it's a ultra-conservative, uh, religiously fundamentalist, um, you know, organization that takes over America effectively, and they rename it
1: Gilead. So, by the way, I should totally be watching the show. It sounds like one that I would <laughs> absolutely enjoy. But the point is, is this is an independent show that's di- that did a sort of. Lot did a live podcast over the season finale. And I'm guessing they had a viewing party, a 500-seat venue that sold out within three days. Uh They had a lot of fans that probably weren't even able to make it, you know, that wanted to be at this particular show, some of which dressed up as people. And of note, they've, they've said that their listener feedback appears to indicate that there's more TV viewing as a result of the podcast. And this, again, just shows... If you don't, if you are a production company and you're not doing your own companion podcast, the independents are going to drink your milkshake. It's it's that simple. And and if you are an independent and you're doing one of these type shows, you got to get out there and you got to be first and you got to build that sort of what we used to call water cooler talk so that you can do this. I know there are others that have that do live shows that are sold out even quicker than this. Rob has a podcast. When Rob goes and does a live, he's had to do specifically Patreon only shows because his tickets sell out that quickly. And he's gotta let his the people that support him get first crack at these tickets or they don't get to go to these live events. And it's fascinating to me that CBS hasn't approached him to be in charge of any of their you know, post-production shows. I mean, they've got a bunch of different stuff that they do online. And I've talked to Rob about it. And Rob's like, I don't want to have somebody else telling me what I can and cannot talk about. So I'm going to remain independent as possible. And he doesn't need anybody. He's doing just fine. But this is, again, another example of if you ain't doing it, somebody else is, and they're going to drink your milkshake. So you better start doing it. And for the independents that are doing it now, you should be concerned that the, the other companies are starting to look at this sort of thing and going, oh, we need to do this ourselves and then shut these other ones down or look at it as an opportunity to approach these production companies and say, hey, we've already built up this community of people that love your production. We w- we would gladly be the official podcast with you. Da, 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 da.
0: Well, and I'll go back to examples like our buddy, Troy Heinrichs. Uh, I was just thinking about, um, I've got some friends across the pond, uh, TV pod industries is there. I'm to, I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, yeah. TV Pod Industries is their Twitter handle. TV Podcast Industries is the name that they're going by now. But they've got a whole network of shows. Effectively, they used to be – they used to call themselves the Defenders Podcast, I think. Uh, They were focused originally on the Netflix shows, the Marvel Netflix shows. And uh, as that sort of wound down, they realized they were branching out anyway. They were doing Gotham over on um, Fox or wherever it's airing. They started doing the Pennywise show on Epic. Um, and I think they're doing boys, the boys now on Amazon. Um, so, so they're all about this. I, one of my clients, uh, TV rewind, you know, she's got a, ho- a host of shows that she's gone through and done Stephanie Zimmer, uh, and, and her co host they did alias rewind. They did uh, psych rewind is still ongoing. Uh, they did felicity rewind. And then she's got one where she talks about sort of current TV in general called TV rewind. Um, it, it is easy to do in some ways because like the content is there for you on an ongoing basis. The other thing that occurs to me, Jay, is that it is inherently finite in some ways too, right? The season right. only lasts so long and you could you can continue to do content in the summer if you want to and if you find topics to to bring, but at the same time you could shut down and have a hiatus and then come back, you know, when the show comes back. Likewise, The show will only last so long. And so your podcast sort of has a finite life where as opposed to some shows you start, you say, I'm going to do a show about weight loss. And you're like, how long am I going to do that show for? How long am I committing to doing this podcast for? So if you're out there thinking, how do I get started in podcasting? TV podcasts, man. TV yeah. podcasts is like that is where it's at for me right now. And I got to tell you, Disney Plus in particular is super compelling for me. I look at all the content they're do- they're doing. I'm basically interested in all of it. It's super family friendly, is what they've said. P- you know, TV PG, f- uh, TV PG or PG 14. I think TV 14 is the maximum content that they're gonna uh, show there at all, even on their Marvel shows or their Star Wars shows. So like. My kids can watch it. My mom can watch it. I can watch it. You know, the whole family can watch it together. That is super compelling to me. The other thing that that I got excited about, Jay, about that is that they're releasing it on a week-to-week basis. The The episodes are going to be rolled out weekly instead of all in a bunch. I don't know how Netflix podcasters do it, you know, mm. when your audience – Some of them are going to want the content all at once. Some of them are going to trickle it out because they've got families and jobs and responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how do you program for that? I know the Defenders cast that I mentioned just a minute ago, they just had a policy. They said, hey, look, when the season drops, we often get preview episodes. So we'll have DVDs like the first three. So we'll have those ready to go as soon as the season starts. But then we're going to go week to week. We're going to do two episodes a week for you. So we'll get together and try to hammer these out. But, like, we've got a live. We've got other things to do. It's going to take us a while to get through the whole season. So... Um, I I don't know. The, the Handmaid's Tale in particular is is another one. Hulu does the week to week thing. I think they do like two episodes to start with, and then they go week to week afterwards. So that that is an easier production schedule. But that allows you mentioned it. It's the cooler talk, right? And Netflix doesn't allow that. I think it's one of the reasons why Netflix is one of the companies that has done a pretty good job of of doing the companion shows themselves because they know they need to stir the pot. You know. So I know.
1: I've seen I've seen a couple of people do this with the Netflix shows, is they will do one episode after they've binged, right? So they've watched every single episode and then they'll just do one and it tends to be a little bit longer than a typical podcast you'd expect. So it might be like a two-hour long podcast to recap the entire thing that they just watched. So say, what is a Netflix season's usually right around 10 episodes or so, right? Sounds about right. Uh, and then... After they've done that episode, they will then go and do a per episode release on a predetermined schedule that they'll inform the audience. This is when we're releasing it. I've seen a lot of people do the two episodes a week, so they'll so it's not just one episode every week, but two. Uh, understanding that most people are probably binging these episodes, they're probably not watching just one; they're watching a couple. I will tell you, my wife and I have run into more difficulties doing this lately. Uh, as she is a huge fan of Orange is the New Black. I enjoy it somewhat, but mainly I'm watching it only because she is. And there aren't a lot of things that me and the wife do together. And unfortunately we just haven't had the opportunity having children who where the content's not appropriate to sit down and, and binge the season of Orange is the new black. And and even finding time to watch one episode, never mind, a bunch of episodes, has been difficult. So there, there are different types of ways to view this content and listen to this content, and the best part is it's all online, so you can watch it and listen to it however you want, whenever you want. If you're four months down the line, if you're like me and you never watched Breaking Bad, it's still available. I don't know if it's still available uh, on Netflix. It's out there somewhere. I can go, I can go binge it, and then, hey... I can go listen to those recap episodes, of podcasts, and be part of, and, and still get that same sort of experience, if you will, as if it was happening live. Now, is it more enjoyable when it's "quote unquote" live, and in the, you know, in the time frame that we're talking about? Yes, but it's still something that's there, and still something that has a longer tail it's not it's not just a I released it's not like my sports podcast where I released my content today it's dead after the games are played on Sunday
0: absolutely you're absolutely right it's got a much longer tail the thing that that occurs to me, Jay, is that it's also like a snowball effect. You know, a show I think about I'm, I'm, I've am I'm. i mentioned on the show that I'm rewatching Cheers right now and I'm listening to a Cheers podcast as well. You know, Cheers started as literally the last show in the ratings its first season. It was absolutely dead last. And it went all the way to number one by the end of its run. And it was number one for years towards the end of its run. Um, th- that doesn't exactly happen anymore. But you still have shows that build over time. Look at Walking Dead. It's one of the biggest shows on TV now. It didn't start that way, it started as a success. But it was a small success, and it built over the first couple of seasons. Same thing with Game of Thrones, right? It was like the Red Wedding and the third and fourth seasons of Game of Thrones that spiked that into a true dominant pop culture hit. Your podcast can do that same thing. So you put a couple of seasons out, but then every summer, as new people find that show on streaming services or they go back and they've heard about it, oh, I'll watch it before the new season starts. Literally every year, you'll see an uptick in your subscribers and those old downloads just keep churning it's where dynamic advertising can come in handy
1: (laughs) it can come in very (laughs) handy and and to that point those two shows that you mentioned in particular benefited from the fact that people could go and binge the previous seasons you know i didn't get into the walking dead until i think it was midway through season two and i was able to go and binge season one i was like oh my god this is phenomenal uh same thing with game of thrones the red wedding is the Everyone was talking about this Red Wedding. And I was like, I got to go watch this show. I have the ability to watch it. I got to go watch it. And I started watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm hooked. I can't stop. To the point where my wife would be watching something on television. And I had an iPad with headphones on (laughs) watching it right next to her. And, of course, she'd keep peeking over. And it'd be, you know, one of those scenes in the brothel. And she's like, what the hell
0: are you watching? (laughs)
1: I was like, "That's why I got the headphones on."
0: <laughs> you need to get into this. If you have any, if you have a show that you're passionate about, and you look out there, and there's not already, and first of all, there are a lot of shows, there are a lot of podcasts about a lot of different TV shows. Even my great idea about Disney Plus, I did some googling the other day. Oh, I'm sure there's already two or three different. Uh, podcasts that are about Disney plus in general. There's also a bunch of podcasts out there already about the Mandalorian specifically. I was thinking about maybe a Mandalorian show. Uh, There's a bunch of podcasts already that are talking about that,
1: but that's another opportunity, right, Joel? Like I'm interested in doing a show about the Mandalorian. I know that there are places that are already doing stuff about the Mandalorian. Perhaps I go and approach them and be like, Hey, uh, I'm pod Vader. I want to talk about the Mandalorian would love to be a part of your show. What's the worst. They're going to tell me no. Okay. Yeah.
0: You, I mean, you can at least join the community. And and so if you, if you're passionate about a project and there's already a, a podcast out there about that, that TV show, maybe it's perfect for you already and you don't need to go make one. But the other thing is maybe you don't like the way they do it. I, here's the right. a, a difference. And we've talked about this before with, with these shows, I think, um, you know, Some podcasts do full recaps, right? Where they actually point by point go through what happened in the episode. Some podcasts just discuss the topics that came up or what the characters did or, you know, whatever. They don't actually recap the episode. I know that some listeners prefer one or the other and some listeners hate one or the other. So, again, that's an opportunity. (laughs) There's a podcast for everybody. And if there's not a podcast out there for you, then you ought to go and make it. But I'm telling you. There are opportunities here to not only monetize it and make a little money on this hobby passion of yours, but to also have cool experiences. Again, I'll go back to Troy Heinrichs. He was on the DVD extras for like season three of The Blacklist because he has a podcast about The Blacklist. He's interviewing the stars of the show on the DVD about their experience making this show. That doesn't get, he got paid for that, by the way, too. He got to fly out there and do the whole thing. Like what kind of credibility does that bring to your podcast? You know, you have, uh, again, Troy has a show about Westworld, their Westworld Facebook group. The last time I looked had something like 14,000 members in it, you know, Mm. how can you build a community? What, what opportunity are you going to have in your regular life to build a community of 14,000 like-minded people? I think it's probably few and far between for most of us around a TV show like this is a perfect opportunity to capture that lightning in the bottle.
1: And again, that's why if you're a production company and you're listening to this, that's why you have to own it, own your brand, own it. And if you don't, we're going to drink your milkshake.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Jay, let's move into our second story of the day. Um, Apple podcasts has expanded transcription search perhaps. Now we know that this has been going on for a while. We talked about it when it first began, in fact, uh, and this is something it's similar in some ways to what Google is doing, but it is, it's not exactly the same thing. And I think their approaches are slightly different. It shows the different uh, priorities of the companies, I think in some ways, but effectively what the idea of this is that long-term the, content of a show can be surfaced in search. So if I say, for instance, Mandalorian, and I search that as a topic, your title of the episode or your podcast doesn't have to be Mandalorian. If in a specific episode, you do have a discussion of the Mandalorian, that would eventually surface. That's the idea here. Now, first and foremost, Apple has said this is rolling out for select podcasts. We've talked about, we're sure they're prioritizing the biggest shows to begin with. Et cetera, I've got news et for you. <laughs> okay. What's the news? If you go to, if you go
1: to Apple Podcasts and you search for next fan up, it's going to take you a while to find it. If you go to any of the charts, you go to where we're categorized in football, sports news, and fantasy football, you will not find next fan up in any of the top charts. You just simply won't. However, if you search for football related news next fan up finally shows up. So this is this transcription searching is working for all shows, (laughs) large and small. So yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I was pretty, when, when I saw this, I was like, well, let me test this out. And I went and I typed in, I think I typed in preseason preview and boom, (laughs) next fan up showed up. It was like, it still, a, it was still like the sixth or eighth podcast. But the point was, normally, it, you have to type in "next fan up" to just find "next fan up" in Apple. Uh, you're not going to usually find it just by scrolling through any of those categories that I mentioned. But yeah, you can put in specific topics now or, or specific talking points that aren't ne- like you just said aren't necessarily listed, and uh, your podcast uh, could show up. And again. Still, might take some scrolling to get to your specific podcast. Um, but I do think it is taking in sort of the relevance of the podcast. Uh, there, there's some, there's got to be some sort of algorithmic ranking as to why they would show this particular podcast. So, for instance, a preseason preview well, here's a football show, sports news, uh, and around all of that discussion of preseason previews, there's a lot more discussion of NFL stuff. This content must be highly relevant to this particular search.
0: Um, that is, I, I think this is fascinating, and I do think that it it's not what podcasters want exactly, right? Like what we want, and you say it all the time, it, it's a discovery of my show problem. I want people to find my right. show more often, and this is not necessarily going to do that. But what this is all about on both the Apple side and the Google side from the way that you've just described it, Jay, is answering people's problems with podcasts as often as possible.
1: This was a topic I forgot to put into our show note because it was a conversation on Facebook and Todd Cochran was talking about the Google search. I'm glad you brought up the Google search because he 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 has been staunch from day one own your stuff on your own website, and it's going to benefit you in the long run. And with the Google search, he does believe that there is a direct correlation between having your own brand on your own website and the way that it appears in the Google search, specifically those episodes. Because I will use a similar search using my show as an example. When I search for Next Fan Up podcast, it there's plenty of search results that will give you the link to Apple to Spreaker, to my own website, etc. But the individual episodes, I have still yet to see that in a search on Google. I have still yet to see a Next Fan Up podcast episode in the episode results that it's shown. Now, maybe it's changed since I last checked. So just for ha-has, I'm going to do it right now. Do, and- do,
0: do, 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 do. Oh,
1: they have in fact fixed it. So now when I search for Next Fan Up podcast, all the episodes are Next Fan Up. Perfect. And they're in huh. chronological order. They were not like that uh, merely a week ago, because this happened in the last week that I had this conversation on Facebook.
0: <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, I am By the way, though, Stitcher, I think
1: this is- Stitcher is my number one search result, which I think is also kind of interesting.
0: Higher than Apple, uh, really? Let me see where what mine is actually. My my
1: search results again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you all are loving that I'm relating this to me. Stitcher, Apple, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and then we have a, we have an agreement with uh, Fantrax, uh, which is a um a fantasy sports site. Uh, where where our show is part of their podcasting network.
0: So, the results for Always Listening go Stitcher, my actual website, ProPodcastingServices dot slash Always Listening Pod, uh, then Apple Podcasts generally, then Google responds with three episodes in a row that you can click play on directly, uh, and then below that is Blog Talk Radio, which is a defunct link. Uh, mm-hmm. Podbean link. I didn't know I was on Podbean, and then our Twitter accounts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, on down the list. Pod News comes up after that, huh? Interesting. Uh, our social, most of our social accounts are even further down. P- Facebook is is way down the list. Um, yes, I wonder why Stitcher comes to the top. We don't have very many Stitcher listeners. Like that is not a no. Nor
1: do I. So Stitcher, I don't, what, I
0: don't know what that's about.
1: Stitcher must have something going on with their. Uh with their seo that google loves it
0: i wonder i mean if it was if it was a promotion of any kind that would be recognized there in some way right like if they were paying for that top listing um perhaps i i, mean, there I, might, they I might must say some i'm like company-wide agreement
1: i i'm i'm very ignorant on on the way that google search operates so i can't speak
0: to that specifically
1: I'm sure there are I'm sure there are people right now listening that are screaming at us, Joel, that have the
0: answer. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um so anyway, Jay, I, I think I think this is I'm look, there are kinks to work out, obviously. And as I mentioned earlier, this is not exactly what podcasters may be wanting out of this, but this is a very good thing for podcasts as a whole. We're talking about that next million listeners, et cetera, et cetera, exposing more people to uh, not only the concept of podcasts, but actually listening to them, this is all good for that.
1: All very good. By the way, I just decided to put in preseason preview. I don't see any podcast episodes. I guess there's too many blog posts. Anyway,
0: that was fun. Uh, I've, I've got a very... <laughs> uh uh Small story here, but it was cool. It came up in the podcast editors group, which Steve Stewart runs that I'm a member of. I think you are as well, Jay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a uh, Etsy link in the show notes for Soundwave custom art. Um I've seen mm-hmm. this done in different ways a few different times uh at Podfest last year there was a artist who does uh soundwave paintings that was her deal um they're very beautiful they were also fairly expensive this is a super affordable get I'm thinking about maybe giving some clients these for Christmas possibly but also like I'd love to have one of these on my desk personally um like that is a very very cool idea and, uh, you know, it's. I think it's made, the idea of it is for music, but you can send them custom uh, recordings as well. So uh, it would totally work for podcasters. I think this is a very, very cool idea. And if you're at all interested in that, if you're thinking about maybe um, something for yourself as a memento of your show or something for a client that you have, check out the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, quite honestly, I mean, the example that, that's shown here on this link is Adele, someone like you. I'm assuming it's the entire song in a sound wave That is so niche. Like if I were to give this to my wife, honey, this is our song etched in sound wave for you. She'd be like, what in the world is this? Why are these squiggly lines etched in a glass? Like she wouldn't get it at all. Uh, So I do think though, like you just mentioned a podcaster I mean, it's a perfect gift for a podcaster.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very very cool gift for a podcaster. There's even there's an option apparently to add a little um, a barcode on the exterior of the um, of the piece, so that when you take a photo of it with your smart camera, it would load the audio up directly. That's kind of cool too. So if it was a clip of an episode, or it, it, the thing that I always think about doing is um, the the bit of Josh and I saying uh two guys and a rogue i'm one guy i'm the other and this is the network like that's the the little tag for our network or or maybe just him and i saying you know two guys uh, i'm one guy i'm the other um which is the way that we first started our podcasting you know, life. I, that's that's sort of important to me, and that matters to me. That's the kind of thing that I would like to get uh, in a block like this. I think it's very, very cool. If you're a sentimental old fool like I am, too, I think you might like it as well. Check that out in the show notes, folks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm all over that. I like
1: it. We got to talk um, about J- Joel. I have a quick question for you. Stuff that we didn't put in our show note because I have a feeling I know the answer. Do we want to talk about? Uh, people stealing other people's ideas, plagiarism in podcasting? No.
0: Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, no, we don't have there's to do that. There's a lot of that going Is on. That, are you talking about the true crime thing? Well, there's a true, the crime, true crime thing. Story?
1: I guess the folks over at Slate are now throwing out accusation. It's it's kind of funny. Oh, I
0: haven't heard the Slate accusation.
1: Yeah, they, they, they're accusing a couple of different podcasters of plagiarizing their stuff.
0: Yeah, let's... You know you what, know, here's my uh, thoughts this, on that. This let's all comes down
1: tell people where you're getting what your source is.
0: <laughs> yes. That's all. Do your own work is my thing is like do your own work like I I don't I don't understand especially if you're doing reporting like you you can't just read and summarize what somebody else is doing. You and I don't come up with a lot of these stories ourselves. We we are literally linking to other stories because we are providing commentary. That that is what we're doing. We're not purporting to be journalists ourselves. We are no. commenting on the news of the industry. But the the true crime shows in particular, I I think there was – I think it's just an issue of there was this rush into a void of this medium, this audio medium that people got excited about. And unlike traditional media, because there weren't any gatekeepers, there was nobody to say this is the way we do things. I think it's the same thing that happened with S-Town, right? Like you look at the way that S-Town came out and that guy's still in legal trouble now it's because there wasn't anybody standing over his shoulder going you know that's not the way that journalists do this like hmm. at a newspaper or a magazine or even you know a traditional uh tv or radio uh, news gathering organization again those those ethical standards and practices would have been in there and and they would have been in place officially all along i think i think that's just what this shows is the immaturity of our industry in some ways
1: i i would agree it's just a matter of like we do on this show, we're very good about accrediting where we're getting the story from. If we're reading from that site, we're very good at accrediting who is the speaker, who is the writer of that particular quote. Uh, We make sure that we're just giving credit where credit is due. And I think ultimately that's the thing about the true crime phenomenon is there's been so many that have exploded. I mean, how many unsolved? I mean, I know there are lots of unsolved cases, but are there really that many that are that interesting to listen to? Probably not.
0: Yeah, there are there are four point three podcasts for every murder committed in America. <laughs> that's that's a good. It, where'd you hear that? <laughs> that's a stat I just made up. All right.
1: Uh, I was wondering I if you think, had heard honestly, that joke or if you just made it up yourself on the spot. It it doesn't was a good feel one. That far
0: off? <laughs> no, it, yeah, doesn't. it doesn't feel that far off. Right? <laughs> it feels truthful. Um, so, so look, that's a story that we're going to be watching as the slate thing in particular. That's, that's new information for me. So we'll be watching that over the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, with the, with the larger companies, sometimes, uh, when they start slinging allegations, uh, it could get very interesting very quickly. So, uh, we'll, we'll watch that with interest, but, but right now I don't think there's anything that the average podcaster can do about that, except as we said, just do your own work. Um, Jay, you got anything else here you want to cover or you want to go on to currently listening? Well, we talked about
1: uh, NRTs about Mo advertising.
0: So I'll just I'll just cover uh, a couple Mo, of Mo advertising dollars, yes. Just a couple of
1: things real quickly. This is a story that I've that I've had in our notes for a couple of weeks now that we're we're just finally getting to. It comes from uh Rain News and more specifically uh Jeff Vidler, who is the president of Audience Insights Inc., uh, and published uh, this report in Medium. Uh, and it's about how advertisers are interacting with podcasters. And a lot of this isn't new news. You know, the, what they found in their research is there are three clear advantages of podcast advertising. One, deeply engaged listeners. Uh, we all know this. The personal connection to the program and host. We all know this. Uh, podcast ads are Least likely to be skipped. Again, we all know all know this, and that there's a unique opportunity for advertisers to reach an on-demand audience. But what I found was most interesting about this article wasn't so much about what was what was getting advertisers to open their wallets, but what is keeping it, what is keeping them from opening their wallets. And again, it cites measurement is a buying barrier, uh, fragmentation. Uh, can complicate the buying process. It says here with so many podcasts available, media buys can be challenging. Again, this is improving as sales networks such as Midroll or Westwood One in the US and TPX in Canada help brands navigate this by aggregating inventory across multiple podcasts. And will the need for scalability create a push to programmatic advertising? There's a lot of concern that programmatic advertising is going to overtake the large CPMs. And we've talked about this. It's not, there's no reason to be afraid of this. And honestly, there's no way that a smaller podcaster is going to make any sort of money from advertising unless they're using programmatic advertising. But this discovery issue, going back to the fragmentation note here, is something that I'm seeing cropping up a lot more here uh, in the last uh, couple days, as a matter of fact, when talking about advertisers finding the right podcasts to place their advertisements on and who is doing this vetting. And if you're not involved with a mid-roll or a Westwood One, then you, then you as an independent podcaster are approaching these advertisers yourself and they have to just take your word for it without any sort of vetting Possible. You know, you could show them screenshots. They could be doctored screenshots. They could be screenshots of your numbers from pre IAB certification, uh, which were much larger than what they are currently, what you're currently being shown now. Uh, There's a lot of ways that, and I hate to use the term, so I'm not going to. There's still a lot of ways that you're pulling the wool over the eyes of the advertisers and, you know, acting like an outlaw in the Western part of the world. And perhaps it's, it's not, it's not calm. <laughs> might be wild. Saying
0: it's not tame yet. Right. <laughs> so, so I was trying to say thing the thing phrase without here. saying the phrase it's, it's to me, it's even less about the idea that the individual podcasters that they might be buying from are lying to them or, or, or fudging numbers in some ways. It's literally just a man hour, problem it's a, it's a a resource it's a time resource problem these ad agencies only have so many buyers and those buyers only have so much time to devote to podcasts especially since we know right now it's a tiny piece of their ad budget right those buyers would much rather call one guy or one girl at midroll and talk about 200 different podcasts then talk to 20 different producers, about 10 each, right? Or more likely Mm -hmm. 200 producers, about one each. That's—they're never They're never going to call me. They're never going to call me. They don't want to talk to me. They don't care how big my podcast is, honestly, because they don't have time to think about just my podcast. That's not the way that they're working. Now, small companies... Individual companies, particularly new companies that are looking to break out and make a niche, you know, or, or establish a name for themselves, you can develop partnerships with them as an independent producer or an independent show if it's the right fit, right? But you're never going to get Coke. Coke's got an ad buyer, and that ad buyer doesn't have the time, uh, and, and and most companies are going to work that way for their advertising dollars. So that's the difference, and it's too. Again, it's like the the idea that programmatic advertising is going to overtake the uh you know the direct pitch. I think that's ludicrous. but likewise, it's ludicrous that anyone is ever going to just stuff their show full of programmatic advertising. like that's self-selecting in and of itself, right? If we do what radio does, then we'll have radio's results. People will stop right. tuning in uh, if we if we are smart about the application. We can have our cake and eat it too, and small podcasters can use programmatic advertising to make some money, as opposed to none, and have their hobby be an expense instead of a uh, of a credit to their uh, you know economy and wallet. The Bit other way around, you want it to be a credit, not an expense. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. And and, and and be a be a credit instead of an expense. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. But big companies, meanwhile, they're not going to turn down. If they're making $200 CPMs on, on host red ads because people want Mark to pitch something directly, they're not going to get rid of those. No. What they're going to do is go to the back content and they're going to say, okay, now we can put in a new ad and resell all those downloads that we're getting every single month on the first hundred episodes, on the first 200 episodes. You know, so they'll get both. The benefit of both, the smaller podcaster can get some benefit at all, and, and the industry as a whole will grow. I really, I don't understand the doom and gloom on programmatic advertising. Aaron Mankey is never going to switch to Geico ads. Todd
1: Todd Cochran also mentions, you know, the long tail doesn't exist. 98% of the show's downloads happen within the first 72 hours or whatever stat that he always launches out there. What I have discovered having worked with the number of podcasts is if you look at your monthly downloads, let's say uh, per average you get, we'll just make an easy number. Let's say you get 500 downloads per episode, you know, and then you look at your total monthly episodes. Guess what? You, it usually looks like you've done five weeks of podcasts. You've got 500, 500, 500, 500, and then there's another 500 to all of your back catalog. That is typically what I see. So, usually about a quarter of your monthly listens are to your back catalog. Now, one or two listens to one specific episode doesn't total up to much, but 500 does. That 500 total totals up to something specific enough. And if you're using something like dynamic ad insertion to place these newer ads on the older content, you are going to benefit from that. And it's a matter of explaining that in a way that makes it th- perhaps the way I just explained it. Hopefully that was pretty clear enough to someone to make them understand. Listen, if you buy this episode this month, yes, you're going to get 500 listens to it within this month. However, if you buy my back catalog, you're also going to get another 500 listens to it. And that's just going to be on one specific episode. So, again, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, we've been talking about this, preaching about this for a long time now. I don't think anybody can think any other way listening to our podcast. And if you're just listening to us now, hey, where have you been?
0: So in the last seven days, just as an example here, I I just checked it out. In the last seven days, our last episode has been downloaded half as much as our total downloads for Mm. the week. Does that make sense? So we yep. had literally is actually a little bit more than that. We had sixty percent of our downloads something other than our most recent episode in the last seven days. So and the last and and that last episode, the most recent episode, got the vast majority of its downloads in the first two days. So if you if you tracked the last five days of the week it would be even higher, I would say, than 60% going to something other than that most recent episode. So, again, that's not true for every show. Maybe Next Fan Up, for instance, because it is sports-based. Right. Maybe your back catalog doesn't get that kind of churn. But shows that are TV podcasts, shows that are about general commentary, shows that are about learning a language, shows that are about philosophy, shows that are about religion, shows that are about parenthood, shows that are effectively about any other topic. That is good forever, and it's good whenever the people come to it, and many of the people will continue to come to it at a later date. Dave Jackson said uh, – I think his numbers he, – he said his numbers on a show that I was listening to the other day. I think he said it's like 60% of his downloads every month are old shows, new people hmm. finding his content, discovering him, and going, let me listen to all that guy's stuff. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about the TV
1: shows and how people are time-shifting how they're watching TV shows. So this is definitely effective means of monetizing your podcast. Uh, one last item here. Uh, this came from TechCrunch out of uh, Podcast Movement. Uh, despite the growth in ad revenue and relatively high CPMs, the industry, podcasting specifically, is significantly under-monetized. Using data that they collected from Nielsen, IAB, and Edison... They calculate that podcasts monetize through advertisements at only one cent per listen hour. That's less than 10 times the rate of radio. Podcast monetization per listener hour has increased over the past year, up 25% by our calculations, but still substantially lags behind all other forms of media. Uh, And there's a nice chart on the link, Joel, which I don't currently have up, but I think you're looking at right now.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, Edison Research's Infinite Dial report an estimated 32% of the U.S. population listen to podcasts on a monthly basis. Is that the one you're talking about? No. No, uh, here listen, it is. Find out about <clears throat> podcasts.
1: So, so, revenue per active user hour. All right. Podcasts, as uh, I just mentioned, is at one cent. Radio monetizes 11 cents per active user per hour. Uh, TV is 13 cents. The internet is 27 cents. Uh, magazines are 49 cents and that's down 14% from 2018 and newspapers are still at 77 cents, which is why newspapers aren't completely dead yet. Uh, podcasting being up 25%, by the way, means that we are monetizing per active user per hour at less than a penny (laughs) previously. So, uh, so there's still a lot more money to be made in this area, and it's because there's such an anti-ad mindset in this in this industry. You got to start wrapping your head around this, ladies and gentlemen. It you shouldn't be anti-ad. You should be definitely anti-bad ad. You should definitely be looking. You know, we talk about programmatic advertising, and they're using basically the same creative. That radio is using yes you should be as always championing championing champ, championing i won't even use that word you should be looking for better better creative always uh no matter what type of advertisement that you're using but that doesn't mean that you should disregard any sort of money that's out there i mean Right now, programmatic advertising is essentially free money that you're just letting sit on the table. And for some podcasters, it's very little. Uh, but for some podcasters, it's huge. There's a huge amount of money. I know of a specific podcaster that's leaving $7,000 a month on the table because they refuse to use programmatic advertising. I, I don't know about you, Joel. I could use 7000 bucks a month right now. That'd be a pretty nice pocket change in my pocket. I'll gladly take it. Uh, And and there's no, we just said listeners aren't skipping ads. They're not turned off by the ads. I've got plenty of research over four years of working with a programmatic advertising system that shows that the listeners aren't turned off by the ads, that the podcasters that were using it were only showing listener growth like every other podcast out there. It comes down to using it properly knowing the best practices around it and benefiting from using diverse revenue streams because, Hey, we've talked about on this podcast and yes, it's on me for being slow to get our Patreon going. But quite honestly, if you don't like the ads, give the listeners another option to listen to it and still support your show. It's not about giving the listener free. Listen, listener, we can't just be doing this for free. I would love to do it for free. I'd love to make, as you mentioned, just a hobby, just something that I love getting on the the horn with my good buddy Joel talking about the internet industry. But quite frankly, I got mouths to feed. I've got a mortgage to pay. And advertising is one of the ways... Yes, it's very little, but it's one of the ways that I'm allowed to continue to keep that passion that I have for this industry and talk to my good buddy Joel on a weekly basis that makes it makes it an option for me to even consider if that wasn't an option on the table, trust me, I got more things I can do in an hour and a half worth of time that's gonna make me uh, that's gonna make me money than this.
0: Well, and and as always, I'll throw in the caveat here. If you're listening for your show, depending upon where you are in your life, what else is going on in your life, what your business is like, you might find better ways to monetize that show than just pure advertising, especially dynamic ad ad insertion and programmatic advertising. Uh, If you own a business and the business aligns with what the podcast is, advertise yourself, promote your own business, sell your products and services, right? Right. You and I both promote our consultation services and our coaching and our editing at the end of this episode. At the end of every episode, we talk about where you can find us online if you need help with podcasting. Um, that's part of the whole deal why we have this topic. However, that's not available for everybody. And if you're a carpenter who wants to do a show about Marvel, there's no connection there probably. And and the people that are listening to your show, the people that could potentially listen, listen to your show, aren't going to buy your carpentry services or your cabinets, right? Right. But <laughs> you can sell them a geek box, <laughs> you know, you can sell them a HelloFresh subscription uh, or you can put in a Geico ad when you have a small, effectively non-existent listener base because you're in a network that's connected to a whole bunch of people and Geico's buying across 50,000 podcasts or whatever it might be. Those are the avenues. I think we want all of those avenues to be available to all of us. I want good content. I want more good content. All right, that, that that's pretty. I I think we've
1: delivered on our teas today, Joel. I yeah. think we can, I think we can move on to what we're currently listening to. What are you currently listening to, Jay? Well, Joel, I'm not. <laughs> so let me uh, take this moment to continue to shamelessly promote my other podcast, Next Fan Up. Listen, the NFL season is going to kick off in about a week and a half, less than a week and a half from when you hear this particular podcast. And on Next Fan Up, I present you 32 different perspectives on everything that's happening in the NFL. For instance, what we will examine on our uh, most recent episode that will come out uh, later on Wednesday, uh, week four of the preseason. We're not really previewing the week four preseason games. Nobody cares about week four in the preseason, but we are going to be talking about. Uh, what guy is going to get cut from your team that's going to be a performer on another team because he's that good? And did your team answer their big questions going into the preseason? A lot of them didn't. But the other thing we'll investigate is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was a top three quarterback. Some even mentioned he might be the best quarterback to come along since Tom Brady. And he decided that the injuries had just piled up and, called it quits at age 29. So again, my perspective as a Patriots fan of Tom Brady, who's a quarterback who's entering his 20th season at age 43, seemingly will never retire. And the perspective of maybe a Carolina Panthers fan whose quarterback uh, is of the same age as Andrew Luck, of the same talent level as Andrew Luck, and of the same injury history as Andrew Luck. Perhaps they're now concerned that their star quarterback is getting ready to call call it quits. Because let me tell you something, Indianapolis Colts fans, Jacoby Brissett is a pretty good quarterback. We talked about him in one of our past episodes a couple weeks ago. All you need to do is go wherever great podcast are heard, check out the archive, and you'll be listening to... One of those uh, wonderful Geico ads (laughs) and our wonderful content that's not dated in this particular instance. Uh, And how we talked about Jacoby Brissett being a top 25 quarterback, but top 25 is not top one or two. (laughs) So Colts fans have got themselves a tough season ahead. Uh, That's not going to end in the same way that we thought it would have ended uh, before the preseason began, and we thought Andrew Luck was going to be the quarterback for your team. So anyway, just wanted to throw out a quick plug for my show. Plus, we have a very sp- if you're into fantasy football, we have a very special Saturday morning fantasy football special that will be coming out where I'm bringing in a bunch of guests to the show, a bunch of big name guests, and uh, giving you a nice primer before you draft your team. So you may want if you if you haven't drafted yet may want to hold off until you listen to the Saturday morning fantasy football special, which will premiere oddly enough this Saturday morning.
0: Nice. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I don't do fantasy football anymore. I don't follow the NFL anymore. I haven't for several seasons, but, uh, the Andrew Luck story, uh, s- totally surprised me. Uh, on the flip side, it did not surprise me how fans reacted. If you're a fan that booed Andrew Luck, <laughs> uh for retiring like boo on you my fr- Andrew Luck doesn't owe you squat my friend uh and, sh- and shame on I mean honestly that was so disappointing to see people do that not surprising but very disappointing um the the flip side of that though Jay for me is that I do wonder I mean we've talked a lot in the past about. You know, the increase of the understanding of what concussions do, the increase of the wear and tear, the understanding of the wear and tear that these men are putting on their body. Um, I, I do wonder if there aren't if, if this doesn't sort of spawn a round of contemplation from other folks in Andrew's age range. You know, Andrew Listen. sees what his future could be and he sees what he wants it to be. And he he's like, I'm out. You know, I'm a rich man. Uh, Why do I want to be a crippled rich man? I question myself every
1: day as a father of a son who also loves football and is now playing football at a high school level. I go, should I be allowing him to play football? Like, should I allow him to go down this path, put his body at risk? And honestly, I mean, I, as his father, thinks he's pretty good and probably has, you know, enough talent to take his career to many different levels but will he most likely not and so is it is him playing a game at this particular point that's going to put you know maybe he maybe he walks with a limp in the future maybe he does get a concussion and and there's some cte involved you know all those things you gotta you gotta outweigh the risks and the rewards and Determine if it's worth it for you. And honestly, I put a lot of that on my own son, and he loves the game, and he wants to be involved, and that's all right with me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you uh, look. you walk across the street, get hit by a bus too. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that life oh, yeah. isn't about you. You should take risks and and pursue the things that you want to do in life. But I, I can also absolutely understand Andrew Luck's uh, position there. Interesting, up. Thank goodness he did it before everybody's draft, right? Or most people's draft.
1: <laughs> well, there are a lot of people that have already had drafts of Andrew Luck as their starting quarterback. they were probably booing him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's fair. Uh, So my suggestion this week, my currently listening, is a show that I actually haven't listened to yet. Uh, I've never listened to this podcast and I haven't even listened to this episode, but I'm very excited about it. There is a first of all, it is election season, right? We all know that. Uh, politics beginning to ramp up in earnest uh, ahead of the 2020 election, specifically uh, on the national level. But on a state level, we've got a lot of things happening here in 2019. There's going to be a governor's election this fall, for instance. And uh, there's going to be a lot of down ballot races as well. One of those that that is increasingly important for us in Louisiana is the Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry. Of course, we're a big uh, ag state anyway. But specifically, we made some changes. At our state level, on um, the question of medical marijuana a few years ago, and those changes have not been put into place. And who's at fault for that? It is the Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry. He's literally personally been putting his feet down and sort of holding back. Uh, there is a candidate for that office. There are several candidates for that office. But the one that I like is named Margie Green, Margaret Green. Um, and uh, there is an episode where she appeared on a show called No Pods, No Casters. Uh, everybody that I've heard that has uh, listened to this said it is a great interview. She comes off amazingly, as she has everywhere she's done press, for that matter. Margie is great. But um, she's a dynamic person. Figure And the kind of person that I think can inspire people that are generally not politically motivated or interested, which I think is what's so compelling. And the idea that those sorts of people can get their messages out on podcasts is very um, exciting for me. You know, she doesn't have any money really to run her campaign. She's not funded by anybody. She's not backed officially by the Democratic Party or anything like that. I think they endorsed all of the candidates that were running, not just one of them. It was ridiculous. So she's doing this all on her own. But the fact that she can find a platform here and a little group over there that she can speak to and get that message out personally is is really exciting. Uh, If you look at the national level, I, I read a statistic the other day, Jay, that said the Democratic candidate you know, there's like twenty five Democratic candidates for president. Right. The Democratic candidates for president have appeared on something like fifteen hundred podcast episodes over the past Smart. like six months. Uh, they are very out there and and they are absolutely going through they're, they're not one at a time in it. They're, they're not they're not shaking hands, as the guy says in Oh Brother Where Art they all? They're mass communicating. By
1: the way, I do wonder. If there is a regulation on that, you know, in in media, if a radio show, for instance, yeah, if if a radio show decides that they want to interview Joe Biden, they now must make their services available to the 24 other candidates due to the Fairness Doctrine. Joe Biden was a guest on the Joe Rogan show. I'm curious if Joe Rogan now has to make his podcast available to the 24 other candidates. No, the
0: answer is no. No. Currently, there okay. is no FCC oversight. And of course, even if there was, that would only be effective for podcasts within the jurisdiction of the United States, right? So an international sure. show could do whatever they wanted to as well. But but no, there is zero oversight from the FCC currently on podcasting. I don't anticipate that to change. Honestly, I really don't. And uh, I, I think it is – those – Rules were put into place very specifically when there was effectively only two or three media outlets, right? When you had three TV stations and maybe two radio networks or three radio stations in most towns and one newspaper. And so if if a, a media outlet decided to pick a favorite in an election, that was it. He <laughs> didn't hear about anybody else. So I can understand why that would be the case now. I mean, if, if um, you're more right wing candidates or, or in this case in the Democratic Party, you're more left wing candidates want more exposure to combat that exposure from uh, Joe Rogan for um, uh, Biden. You just go on a different podcast, you know, you just or honestly, you probably get on Joe's show. Joe's already had Andrew Yang. And I think no, he said, uh, yeah, I think he had Pete Buttigieg as well. Maybe uh, maybe he hasn't had hmm. Pete on yet, but I know I know he's had Andrew Yang on. That was actually a really good episode. I don't listen to Joe's normally, but I did listen to that. Um, well, I listen to most of it anyway. Well, in any case, don't even get me started.
1: Don't even get me thing. started on local politics because, you know, the the idiots that live in the state of Connecticut all knew the governor was going to do what he said he was going to do, or at least maybe they thought he wasn't going to do what he said he was going to do, which was put toll booths back in, on every highway in the state of Connecticut. Now everyone's like, "What?
0: You're going to put toll up toll on booths. all these?
1: What is this? You're going to charge us? What? Oh, he only said he was going to do it, you idiots." Anyway, um, and don't and and they and and the law that because everyone was all upset about the about the toll booths. Don't even get me started on the uh, plastic bags. There are no longer bags. You can no longer get a bag at a grocery store, a restaurant, anywhere. So the unintended consequence is wh- when somebody goes to deliver food, for instance, and they got to pick up that food order. I don't. You don't get it in a bag anymore. They just give you a bunch of, you know those Tupperware containers and like, here you go. Have fun <laughs> because it costs 10 cents a bag now so, the, because t- the stupid. T- I'm like, are you joking? Oh my God. There, there's a great picture. And I think this law was originally passed in California. So the Californians are probably laughing at us going, oh, we've already been through that buddy. <laughs> but yeah, this no more plastic bags thing. By the way, have you ever tried drinking from a paper straw? Here's the worst I'm, I'm all about saving the environment. I, I, I mean, I'm not anti environment. I'm really not, but I mean, there's just certain things that are just plain stupid. Come on people.
0: Uh, so you gotta go with the aluminum You gotta go with the metal uh, straws That That's the only <sighs> answer there I, w- The wife and I have uh, we, we, we got some of those She's even got one of those collapsible ones That she can keep in her purse or something So it like flips out Well that's what's gonna have
1: to happen Because I, I'm not going to these restaurants And drinking out of paper straws First of all they The paper straw Talk about collapsible They collapse in about Two sips of your soda It's like gone eh, Done The mouthfeel It just It's gross It's ugh. You got me. You got me started, Joel. You got me started.
0: Sorry, everybody's everybody's got a personal local peccadillo about their uh, their local political situation. Um. Anyway, I'm excited about uh Margaret, and and I'm very excited about the idea that you know podcast can be part of this. I, I started a podcast last year for a local candidate. Now he didn't win his election, but I'm hopeful that that platform is still open, and that when he he is going to run in again in the next election, and I'm hopeful that he'll pick that podcast right back up and and keep going with it. Have a direct connection. Quite honestly, to your he never should stop. do what he never should well never should have stopped i i agree i that's what i told him i think it's just about production on his end he just doesn't want to record that often right he's a farmer and so he's not like he's not a content producer on a regular basis Mm. you know and uh but but i'm like man you gotta you gotta stay into it you gotta you gotta stay out there and keep your name and your um your message spreading anyway uh Jay, where do community. you spread your message? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah.
1: Build the community. Uh, I am at the real podvader on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash podvader page, and nextfanup at gmail.com is the best way to reach me via
0: email. You can find me online uh well on Twitter at the Rogues Life or now, hey, at podcasting underscore pro. Uh, I have an official Ooh. business account on Twitter. Now, if you've thought to yourself in the past, I love Joel, but I really don't want to hear about the NBA or uh, leftist politics or social justice issues, then podcasting underscore pro is you. Uh, follow that, and I'll try to keep my uh, podcasting business discussions and industry discussions over there. Uh, generally, though, you can find me at propodcastingservices.com as well as this show. Uh, and uh, until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel.
1: I'm Jay. Bring back the plastic bags.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen
0: Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than a 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough, Enough. From Bethany Rayburn.